Hello everyone. Before we start today's podcast, some exciting news for you. You can experience the Inside Politics podcast live in Dublin on May 16th when Hugh Linehan, Jennifer Bray and I will be joined by Cliff Young of Ipsos, one of America's top pollsters, to talk about the US election, our own local and European elections and much more. It's a breakfast event kicking off at 8am in Trinity College. If you'd like to attend, you can get tickets at irishtimes.com forward slash events. That's irishtimes.com forward slash events. I hope we see lots of you there. You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. It's Tuesday, March the 21st, and you're very welcome to this politics podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. Joining me in studio today are political editor Pat Leahy. Just after dawn this morning, the news broke that Martin McGuinness had died in hospital in his native Derry following a short illness. I'm joined now on the line by the deputy leader of Sinn Féin, Mary Lou MacDonald. Mary Lou, if I could talk to you in a moment about the, the, the broader impact of, of Martin McGuinness's remarkable life and career. But first, maybe you could Uh, tell us about him as a human being and a friend. Well, um, Martin was an extraordinary person, an extraordinary personality. He lived an extraordinary life, but uh, he was also very ordinary. He was was a a person of grit, determination. He was... um, he was also a person with, with great depths of kindness. Um, he was, I suppose, firstly and foremostly a family man. And his uh, beloved wife, Bernie, and his, his children, uh, Fiacra and Fanula, Gráinne and Emmet, and all of his grandchildren and his wider family meant the world to him, as indeed did his mother and father. His mother, Peggy, was quite a character, and um, he, he used to get endless fun um, by Peggy's views on things and she famously was uh, involved in a, a television programme and the interviewer said to her, oh yes, and uh, Martin was great at football and Peggy turns around and says, no, I'm not at all. Martin couldn't play football. Tom was the footballer. And of course we endlessly te- teased Martin over that and he, he had a great sense of fun. Politically, a remarkable figure, irreplaceable and uh, a person, I believe, when the history books are, are written, will, uh, will loom large and will be favourably uh, written about, uh, I believe. So we're, we're, we're devastated to lose and we're all absolutely heartbroken because in addition to being a, a towering political figure, uh, Martin, of course, was, was our friend. He was a central figure in the last 40 years' history of, of, of this country. A lot of the profiles and, and the obituaries, which we've seen now coming being published over the last five or six hours, focus on the sort of the, the, I suppose, the two chapters, major chapters of his life. First, his direct involvement in the Troubles and as a member of the IRA, and then his increased political involvement and then his central role in the peace process. You, I presume, knew him in, more in the, in the second act of that life. But That's do right. Do do you think he's somebody who changed in any fundamental way over the course of the, of those years? No, I, I I don't believe so. Um, I believe that all of the skill and courage that he possessed as a young man, um, and indeed the very things that brought him to become an IRA volunteer, were the very things, the same things that stood him in such good stead 
um, in his role as a, a publicly elected official, in his role as a, a leader, a Republican leader, but also a, a leader more generally and a person who set down very firm foundations for, for a peaceful and a reconciled Ireland. So I suppose no more than anyone, uh, as your life progresses, uh, you, you learn, you mature, uh, some may argue that you mellow or you change, but I think the essence of Martin McGuinness and his essential bravery, his essential commitment to pursue things that he believed to be right is something that was absolutely intrinsic to him. And I think it's the, it's the very thing that marked him out for his, uh, for his allies and for those that he represented, but also others that he engaged with who would have come from a diametrically opposed point of view, or even people who would, who had, would regard themselves as being his enemies. Um, I think that, that sense of purpose and courage um, was his, his standout quality. How big a loss is he to Sinn Féin and also to the, uh, the political landscape in Northern Ireland in particular? Immense. He is irreplaceable. Uh, there will never be another Martin McGuinness. And he leaves behind a very considerable legacy and he leaves behind also, uh, I suppose, Ireland at a crossroads. I'm, I'm just very conscious that we're in the midst of talks now up at uh, Stormont. We have Brexit and, and other big politics uh, looming. The talk of a united Ireland now in a way that I certainly can't recall uh, ever in, in, my, in my political uh, lifetime. So he, uh, he leaves a, a huge gap for us. Um, but he leaves us with a great sense of pride and I suppose a sense of determination, you know, for those of us that, that carry on the political work, that we will come at it with the same uh, resoluteness and I hope the same courage and I really hope the same humility that Martin so often demonstrated. Mary Lou MacDonald, thanks for joining us Thank today. Thank you. Pat, I think by any standard, Martin McGuinness is one of the most significant Irish political figures of the last half century. Yeah, I think so. I think when the settled history of this time comes to be written I think much will be made of the McGuinness and Adams uh, double act I suppose in a way their approaches and skills and constituencies kind of complemented one another Adams seen as you know the theorist the political voice McGuinness initially in the negotiations uh, seen I suppose as the representative of the IRA as the hard man as the one who would bring the hardliners on board who had credibility with with the um, uh, with the IRA implicitly, leadership. implicitly or explicitly yeah. on the Army Council, I, I, I suspect that there was um, uh, a bit of invention about all of that between himself and Adams. I suspect that was the tactical game that they played. But notwithstanding that, I think, and notwithstanding the facts that the governments maybe suspected that, that they were happy enough to go along with that because they viewed, I think, the gradual persuasion of the Republican movement and the creation of the uh, of the peace process to be uh, to be something that was uh, that that certainly both Adams and McGuinness were committed to and took very significant personal risks uh, a point that um, you know McGuinness as, as Tony Blair said this morning uh, McGuinness would make to him uh, on on occasion so yeah you know I I think that while you know, Sinn Féin have been stressing this morning and many of the initial obits have been stressing the work that Martin McGuinness did for peace. I suspect that history will remember him as, uh, as a man who made, certainly made peace. Before that, he made war. 
uh, and that's part of the uh, that's part of the story as well. Yeah, I'm joined on the line as well by Mick Fealty, the editor of Slugger O'Toole. Mick, Mick, can I put to you that um, Norman Tebbit was less than charitable in his words about the passing of Martin McGuinness this morning, and he was being criticised for that. But in a way, it seemed to me that there was almost something helpful and useful about that in reminding us of the deep hurt and suffering suffered by so many people, Norman Tebbett's wife being among them in the Brighton bombing in the early 80s, that, you know, that there was there, there is a long, dark history behind behind this life story. Uh, no, I agree with that, Hugh, actually. And if you look at the very first post that David McCann put up on Slugger this morning, you'll see there is an awful lot of um, tension in some of those conversational threads where people from a unionist background who are not themselves, you know, knowing them over a long period of time, who are not themselves in any way kind of extreme or have any truck with loyalism. There is a tension that undoubtedly, whilst Martin McGuinness was probably one of the most popular broadly of Northern Ireland's politicians of the last 10 years, outshining uh, certainly Peter Robinson and certainly in the most recent elections, Arlene Foster, that some degree of tension that his earlier history uh, the thing that made him such an effective peacemaker in a way was his ruthlessness as a military operator and you know his refusal in a sense to testify or give away any any evidence that might incriminate any fellow IRA man at the Savile inquiry, one of the kingpin uh, moments of the peace process era with uh, arguably the British state making some kind of abeyance for its past history that McGuinness kind of McGuinness never fully acknowledged, the uh, publicly, at least, um, the, the extent to which he was re- responsible for some of those uh, the IRA actions on civilians as well as military targets, uh, and I and I think Tebbit's outburst, although we might see it as unmannerly, it does, in a way, I suppose, reassure those people who feel that their story as victims of the IRA's military campaign is not going to be forgotten uh, at, at the very moment when he's lionised for all the things that he's properly uh, responsible for in, in the later parts of his, of his career. How do we reconcile that implacable um, fighter for, for his beliefs uh, and the often terrible acts which, which, which happened as a result? How do we reconcile that with the figure who in later life in the, in the government in Northern Ireland was actually seen as, if not a mollyant, certainly the most open and amiable and most get onable with of of of, of Northern Irish, uh, of certainly of Sinn Féin politicians, or indeed all the senior politicians in the executive path. I think that Martin McGuinness brought to bear his own personal and political skills. I I, I didn't know uh, Martin McGuinness. I only met him uh, a couple of times, but certainly people who worked with him over a period of time and people who would be both his political opponents and allies would say that he had an immense personal charm and an ability to use those interpersonal political skills to achieve both his own political objectives, but also reconciliation um, with people from the opposite tradition. The most spectacular example being, of course, the relationship that he struck up with Ian Paisley. And he was able to do that, I think, um, in, in, a, in a genuine way. And that is attested to by the encomia from 
from Ian Paisley's immediate family and the extent to which he remained friends uh, and kind of a, uh, it seems uh, a quite a devoted friend of Ian Paisley during his uh, during his final illness. And I, I think he had the ability to do that. And that's part of the uh, I think that's part of the answer to your to your question. But also, you know, I know Mary Lou McDonald was saying that Martin McGuinness didn't change, really. I think he did, really. I think he did change i suppose we all change when we uh, when we get older but i think that you know the person that martin mcginnis was in his recent political incarnation the perspective that he had and that he expressed in terms of his sense of the history of the other side was something that he didn't have uh, uh, in in the military phase of his career and i suppose that you you can't have if you're a if you're a soldier in a in a war is which is how he would have said himself uh, saw himself certainly uh, the last thing you can afford is empathy with the other side but I think that Martin McGuinness certainly did in the latter phase of his career developed that empathy with uh, the unionist tradition and it was genuine. Can I ask you, Mick, with his his departure, his fairly sudden departure now? Mm-hmm. So we've lost a figure who 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 both encapsulates the blood on everybody's hands element of recent Northern Irish history and carries that baggage with him, but also brought a uh, a sort of a level of gravity and a level of weight, partly because of his own experiences through the Troubles. He was a a significant figure, a significant political figure. Now we're at this moment, this post, um, you know, getting on for two decades on since the peace process um, led to the Good Friday Agreement. Is there a, I asked Mary Malou MacDonald this earlier, is there a vacuum there now with the departure of this most significant figure of his generation in Northern Irish politics? Well, there is, but inevitably that vacuum uh, was going to come. Uh, is Michelle O'Neill a, a fit replacement for um, Martin McGuinness, a man of his stature? You know, and I would, I would say his soldierly nature is something that he did take across from, from the past. He had a directness, a lack of fear, a willingness to do what had to be done. Um, and arguably, Michelle O'Neill is going to pick up from a place where where he leaves off, not where he began. So many of those soldierly qualities, in a sense, also with those some of those admirable qualities, also comes the refusal to, in a, in a sense, revise history to change your mind about the rightness of what you did. That becomes an emotional block for other, other you know, other party, other parties wanting and willing to work with them. The opportunity, in a sense, for the new generation of Sinn Féin, um, beginning with Michelle O'Neill, but perhaps, you know, with others coming through in the next 10 to 15 years, is that they don't have to do the heavy lifting that McGuinness has already done. So this may well be the beginning of something new. And in a sense, there will be people in the SDLP looking at, at McGuinness's place and going, is that something, is that a place that we should be competing for now? Um, in a sense, they'll be thinking, um, McGuinness, in a sense, r- took over from where Hume left off in many respects as leader of Northern nationalism. Um, is that now a space that's potentially up for grabs for us? Or is that something that the new generation of, uh, of Sinn Féin in the North uh, is better equipped for? Uh, and and willing to willing to take on. 
And I suppose finally, Pat, um, what impact, if any, does uh, Martin McGuinness's death have on Sinn Féin in the South and the Southern political landscape? He did, of course, stand for the presidency in 2011. He is part of the the, the dual uh, Adams-McGuinness leadership, which has led the party for so long. He's now gone. Adams is still there. This is a kind of a, a marking point in the way. Yeah, of course. And I suppose it's a signal point in the process that Sinn Féin has been engaged in for some time, which is the transition, the generational transition. And that's an enormously important process for the party, of course. I'm not sure that his departure will impact upon Southern politics uh, in in a significant way. I think his... Uh, his importance was much was felt much more uh, north of the border, and uh, I think it is his his illness, resignation, and now his uh, his his death will make it more difficult for the uh, for the northern executive to be put back together. I interviewed uh, George Mitchell um, recently for our Ireland's Call series and I was struck by, I asked him this question about the effect of the uh, the passing of the the, the Marshall generation, uh, as it were, and the handing over to the Michelle O'Neill and probably Mary Lou MacDonald uh, in the South, uh, that, that younger generation of Sinn Féin politicians and whether what that might mean for the peace process. And he made a very interesting point saying that of course the passage of time and the dying out of uh, lessons old enmities it also you know the passing of the generation that engaged in bloody deeds on both uh, uh, on both sides can make it easier for reconciliation between and cooperation between the succeeding generations and I think you would see that kind of quite acutely with strangely enough not so much with Martin McGuinness, but maybe with uh, with Jerry Adams, but he also pointed to the danger of the passing of the peacemaking generation that people simply forget how terrible things were and what the alternative to uh, you know a, a, a messy and imperfect and and a messy and imperfect peace and a contrived political establishment within uh, within the North is. And I think, um, you know, those are the things that Sinn Féin, but also the wider, uh, the wider political landscape in the North will have to face up to. Less, uh, I think, of an issue in the South. Right, you can read further analysis and contributions on Martin McGuinness's life and legacy on irishtimes.com and in the Irish Times newspaper. Pat and Mick, thanks very much for joining us. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks to our engineer, Rob O'Sullivan, and our producer, Declan Conlon. We'll be back very soon. But until then, thanks very much for listening. 